0: Let's read our text for today. This is uh, Jesus speaking to his uh, disciples. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command each other. Now, we've already covered some of the themes in this text. We've covered this idea of asking my name and Father will give you. We covered that about a month or so ago. Last week, we talked about greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Uh, today, we're focusing in on verse 14 and 15, where Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. And uh, we're going to talk today about sort of the difference of um, where we can live out of. Uh, We can live out of a, when we think about our relationship with God, more of a servant slave kind of thinking. Where we're just a servant and I'm just a slave of God. Or we can live more out of a, a, a I'm a friend of God, I'm a son of daughter of God. And depending which way you live will really shape a lot of, of uh, how, how, oh, Dean's back. Welcome back, Dean. Jeez, <laughs> I just saw you there. <laughs> Dean just got back from Rwanda. for Wanda, yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, so two matter of ways you can live out of, and, um, and uh, it, this is a really important topic, and uh, it shapes a lot of how we're going to live. But we're going to look at, first of all, a couple maybe common questions out of this text. And the first one is this. Uh, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command, which might on the, 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 the onset sound like kind of an odd statement. Because imagine if I went up to like one of my best friends and said, you know, you're my friend if you do what I command. It doesn't sound very friendly. Or, you know, I I go up to my wife, you know, you are my wife if you do what I command. Uh, But here's Jesus saying to his disciples, uh, you are my friends if you do what I command. And you say, what is Jesus saying there? Well, actually, maybe it's not as odd as it seems because we know what the command is. In verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And that's sandwiched between two things that say what that command is. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And then just a little bit later, this is my command, love each other. And so really Jesus is saying, you're my friends if you, if you love one another. And uh, this has to do with the reality that, that I mean, the essence of God or uh, the, the nature of God is love. And the Bible says, God is love love. And so to be a friend of God means that you have to be at least open to the idea of growing in love. You need to actually like love or love love because that is who God is. I mean, imagine if you were maybe, you know, going, going to go on a, on a date with somebody and, and, uh, and uh, you know, one of the prerequisites of probably going on a date and maybe eventually getting married is that, that at least both parties actually like humans because we're by nature human. I mean, if one party said, you know, I'm just really not into humans at all, you know. Actually, I just hate humans, but I love trees, but, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with a human. You'd be like, well, I don't know if this dating thing is going to work because just I can't change my humanness. That's who I am. And God, by nature, He's love. He can't be unloving, and so if you want to be a friend of God, then that's got to be something that you, you you like, that you love, that you want to grow in, that that you will actually want to be like God in the sense you want to love people. So it's not quite as strange as it seems you are my friends if if you love one another. if this is something you want to grow in and, and develop in, then then God welcomes you into into his into his fold. It is very similar to what John would later write in his epistle. he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Or everyone who loves has been, like this idea of knowing, a, a friend of God. Because knowing in, in uh, the ancient culture didn't have to do with so much with information. Like if you were going to, in that culture, if you were going to know this chair, you know, in our culture it would be, you know, it's made of wood, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of yellowy-brown, it's got some screws in it. Like, that's to know the chair. And in, in this culture, to know something would be to, would be to sit on it, to experience it, to know. And so it ha- carries even the idea of friendship. Eh? Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is, is love. And so uh, Jesus is talking about this idea of being friends with him, as being, being open to, to this idea of loving each other. And then, of course, the other common question out of this text is this idea of, of servants. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I've called you friends. And some translations will use the word slaves here. We're using the NIV, the ESV would use servants. The New Living Translation, uh, the New American Standard Version, and others would use slaves. And the reason is because the Greek word doulos can be translated either way. Uh, when you're trying to fit it into our thinking of our culture, it could be slaves, Could be servants, even in the NIV. Sometimes it's translated servants. Sometimes it's translated slaves. And so Jesus is either saying, "I no longer call you slaves," or "I no longer call you call you servants." But the question is, here's Jesus saying, "I no longer call you servants." But I thought we were servants. I mean, there are texts in the Bible that call us servants. I mean, Paul would later say, "Paul, a servant of Jesus." Uh, 1 Peter 2.16 says, live as God's slaves. Or Colossians 1.7, uh, Christ's faithful servant. And sometimes we call ourselves, you know, I'm, I'm a servant of God. But, but Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. So why do we call ourselves servants? Well, the answer to this question is partly in this. We are sons and daughters not because we serve. We serve because we are sons and daughters. I mean, we are servants, but it's coming from a place of being a friend of God or a son of daughter of God, just the same way that, that I, I love serving my wife, because it's coming out of a place of love. And you can live your Christian life out of two ways. You can live out of service for God, uh, out, out, of, out of this love relationship, and by the way, that goes far more further because your service will always be better and, and 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 more exciting and deep and rich because it's coming from a place of love, or you can come from a place of duty. <laughs> you know, maybe if I just if I just you know do enough stuff, maybe and servant of God and uh, serve God enough, or just become a you know a slave to God, then maybe one day I'll you know be deserving of become becoming a son or daughter. I mean, we are servants, yes, but it's coming from a place of friendship and, and being a son of daughter, not from a place of striving or, you know, following rules and, 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 and that kind, kind of thing. So Jesus talks about being friends of God here. Three times he mentions the word friends. You are my friends, or I've called you friends. Now, if you've been around Christianity for some time, you will realize that, or maybe bump into these people sometimes. Who will say, you know, you should never call yourself a friend of God. That's just cheapening your relationship with God, or whatever it might be. You should never call yourself a friend of God, and and they might even argue that that generally for normal Christians we shouldn't be calling ourselves friends of God. Uh, but I think Jesus here is clearly saying to uh, any of his followers, any of those who are trying to follow Jesus, that we actually are friends of God. In the Bible, there's actually two folks actually who actually mentioned by name being friends of God. One would be Abraham. He's mentioned three times as a friend of God. He was like super friend of God. And Moses was mentioned once as a, as a friend of God. Uh, and Jesus here mentioned to the disciples, you are my friends. But this is not just limited to Abraham and Moses and it's not just limited to the disciples because this seems quite universal what Jesus is saying here. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. And he wasn't just laying down his life for his, you know, the 11 disciples who were there, but, but for, for, for all of us. And you are my friends if you do what I command. If you want to grow in love, then Jesus says, you are my friend. And if you want to grow in love, then, then you just, you're welcomed into this, this, this friendship. This is more than just Abraham and Moses. But, but God looks at us and says, you are my friend. In fact, uh, this even goes much deeper than friendship because there is a parallel verse to this in Galatians 4, 7, which says, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. I mean, this is deeper than friendships. If you argue you can't call yourself a friend of God, well, the Bible actually uses deeper, more intimate language as being a son or a daughter of God. I mean, think about the level of love you have. Say if you're a parent and you have little kids, think about the level of love you have towards maybe a friend of yours, which may be quite deep love. But I tell you, if you have children, that love is even even deeper for your own children. And yet Jesus is saying, you are my friend. And then after the resurrection, this is later even developed deeper to the idea of being a son and daughter, which is a far deeper, rich kind of love. Uh, Yes, God sees us as friends, but he sees it even deeper. He looks at us as a son and a daughter. And we're not like the unwanted son and daughter. Uh, The Bible actually says that, that um, that we are dearly loved children. Ephesians 1 talks about how we, he has chosen us, and it actually gave him great pleasure. I mean, God chose you to be a son or a daughter, and in the heart of God, God, so this gives me so much pleasure to invite you into my family, a dearly loved child, which is deeper than even a friend. And of course, we talked about this a few weeks ago, this concept of, of this idea of, that Jesus said, I am in my Father." And you are in me, and I am in you. That it's not just God's children out there, but he actually, it's like God is holding us right now. That we are in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father. We are his dearly loved children, not distant, but but he's holding us in his arm, just Basil and Cheryl are holding their kids in their arms right now. That's what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are doing to you, as, as, as you are a son. And a, He's just holding you and loving you. And He's saying, "This gives me so much pleasure." To quote verse uh, Ephesians chapter chapter one, Romans eight again brings up this slave, uh, this idea, or this this idea. Uh, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So we see these three places where you're no longer a servant. You're no longer a slave. You're a friend. You're a son. You're you're a daughter. You're held intimately. And, And this word where it says, by him, it doesn't just say father. It says, Abba, Father. And that's a more intimate uh, word used between a father and his kids back in those days. It would be similar to maybe our word. You know, we have father, which maybe seems a little bit distant, but the word daddy or papa. That's kind of the idea behind Abba. And so, again, there's this closeness that, that Jesus is talking about. I no longer call you servants, but I, but I call you a friend. And even more so, I call you a son. I call you a daughter. Now, I want to spend a bit of time just kind of comparing and contrasting these two ways of of basing uh, your life, because again, you can base your life more out of a servant-slave mentality where, you know, I just got to obey God, and and it's all about direction and correction, because that's what servants are mostly about, direction and corrections. Tell me what to do. Tell me when I do it wrong. That's all I'm worried about. Or you can live more of your Christian life out of a a focus on intimacy. I mean, you think about sons and daughters. I mean, if you picture like a family, you know, way back in the day when, you know, slavery is more legal. Or, uh, legal. or uh, I mean, you picture a family and then, you know, the slave is more on the outside and then the son and daughters on the inside. The, the son and daughters are like, hey, dad, let's go play. And they're, they're worried about connection. Let's hang out. But the slave is more on the outside, worried about just tell me what to do and tell me when I do it wrong. And the reality of a lot of Christians live here. That they're all, they're only you know, focus between them and God is God just tell me what to do and tell me when I do it wrong. And, and yet there's others who, who realize this revelation of living as a son and daughter and everything flows out of intimacy. I mean, we could picture it this way. Let's say, say you go to a restaurant. You know, you walk into the restaurant with maybe a, a really good friend, or you know, maybe with your spouse. It's date night, or and you go and and you sit down on this table, and and you have uh, you have this this conversation. It's intimate, it's rich, it's deep. It's con- you're connecting with your friend or your spouse, and then and then comes up the you know the the waiter or waitress, and they they kind of play the servant role in a restaurant. They're there to serve the people who come in, and they're again largely concerned about. You know, tell me what you want and tell me if something's wrong at your table. You know, that's my job. Tell me what you want. Tell me what's wrong. And so there's the servant who's kind of distant. You know, tell me what to do. Tell me want to do it wrong. And yet at the table, there's this intimate connection going on. And again, we can live our Christian life here at the table with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit an intimate connection, or we can live our life more as a, the servant. You know, God, I know you're over there, and I'm not worthy to get over there, but just tell me what to do, and tell me when I do it wrong, and, and, uh, and there's two ways of living. I mean, Jesus is constantly inviting us to this table. Come where the connection is, because this is where sonship is. This is where daughtership, this is where a friendship is. In fact, Jesus brings up this idea in the text. He says, I no longer call you servants, Because a servant does not know his master's business because they're busy serving and and doing stuff over here. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. This is sitting at the table, being in in Jesus who is in the Father and there's this connection, there's intimacy and and relationship and, and it flows out of love and then there are times when the Father says, hey, let's get up and do this together and that's where we serve. Because we're never to get up and go serve on our own. We, we're always to be in line in connection with the father. when the father says, "Hey, let's get up and do this together. Let's go, let's go love that person. Let's go, go serve that person over're like, "Yes, Papa, let's go do it." I mean, it's a flow out of intimacy. Yet there are a lot of people who just like God, just tell me what to do and tell me what to do it wrong. Just give me the rules. I just want to follow the rules. And, and maybe if I just work hard enough, maybe I'll be worthy to get to that table. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends because all of life flows out of intimacy. And this is the whole theme of John chapter 15. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, they will bear much fruit. All of our fruitfulness, it comes out of intimate, close connection with, with the Father. When it comes to servants, a service. A servants and slaves serve more from a motive of, of trying to receive approval from others than God. Sons and daughters serve from a motive of thanksgiving and relationship. They live out of the Father's approval. I mean, when you see yourself as a, a servant or a slave, again, it's all about just tell me what to do, tell me to do it wrong. And maybe if I just serve hard enough, then maybe God will actually put a smile on his face towards me. Maybe if I just really slave and just do things of my own effort and just accomplish it and prove myself to others that I'm a, a good Christian, then maybe God will be happy with me or maybe other people will finally see me for who I'm supposed to be, some super Christian or something like that. And then on the other hand, there are people who are just intimately connected with the Father, and again, the Father says, "Hey, it's, well, it's time. It's time to get up. Let's do this together." And when you do something in love, it goes so much further. I mean, when I serve my wife in love, I serve much deeper than I serve people that I'm not really you know, liking all that much in the moment, because I don't. That's like self-effort, and you got to like, "Oh, I gotta do this," you know? It's, it's hard, but but when it's coming out of love, you're just like, "I just love. I just love it. I just, it's flowing from a place of love," because it fruitfulness flows out of intimacy i mean a lot of times slaves and servants they're again trying to get approvals from others they like you know i gotta make a name for myself and i gotta make a name for myself in this world so others see see uh, you know me for who i am or there's this emptiness and they gotta fill it by getting approval from others and and god and so they're always striving you know i, I gotta make a name for myself I got to make sure everybody know who I am. I got to make sure I put my mark on this world before I die. And I got to make a name for myself. And, and they're tired and burnt out because they're striving and working. Just tell me what to do, God. And, and their only connection with God, their whole prayer life is, God, just tell me what to do. I need wisdom. I need help. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do wrong. And there's just no intimacy there. And they're tired and they're burnt out because they're just trying to win approval from others and God. And, and God is saying, hey, just come to the table. Come to the table. Sit down. Here there is rest. Here there is intimacy. Here there is the strength you need to do what you need to do. And it it comes more out of a place of connection. Listening to the voice of the Father. When the Father says, hey, let's go. Let's get out. Let's step out. Then we step out. Just like Jesus. He said, I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. They're working together. I mean, Paul at one time said, I work with all the strength that God has given me. I mean, that's the heart of a son and daughter or the heart of a slave. It's just, just, you know, I got to perform and I got to strive and I got to, you know, make a name for myself. The reality is when you're at this table, you realize you already have a name because you're the son or daughter of the king of this universe. You already have a name, and you're already approved, and you're already accepted. And we have this saying we use sometimes here, and we keep bringing this up, that I am deeply loved, fully forgiven, and totally accepted in Christ. God alone is the final authority on my self-worth and identity. I am deeply loved fully forgiven, and totally accepted in Christ. God alone is the final authority on my self-worth and identity. I mean, the one who matters most in this universe is God. And he says, you're welcome at the table. You have a name. You've been accepted. You've been forgiven. This is who you are. His opinion matters more than anyone else. And he says, you have a name. And yet we're we're striving and burning ourselves out in this life, trying to make a name for people whose opinion doesn't really matter all that much. Welcome to the table. Come to the table. We are in Jesus and in the Father, and it comes out of a place, place of rest. When it comes to life, uh, similarly, servants and slaves need, need to strive, they need to outdo, they need to outperform everyone else. Sons and daughters desire to be faithful to the Father and bring him delight. It's more of a place of rest. I mean when you're a slave and you see yourself as a as a servant, I mean you gotta outdo everybody else because maybe if you just outdo everybody else, you'll finally be set free. Maybe if you just, you know, again, make a name for yourself, you'll finally be released from your slavery and and welcome to the table. And and you perform and you strive and you perform and you perform and you're fake to other people. You show up and you got a mask on because you can't really actually talk to people about who you really are because because you're just, you're covered in shame. And again, we are to be living out of this place of rest, this place of intimacy. This is where he is inviting us into now, uh, servants and slaves often view God as a distant religious boss. Sons and daughter, daughters view God as a present loving father. Again, servants and slaves, God, tell me what to do. Tell me if I do it wrong. Uh, there, there's a fear of God, like a negative kind of fear. You know, and if I do it right, do it right I'm going to, you know, God's going to sick me with cancer or something. If I don't do this right, then I'm going to have a car accident. And, you know, it's just like there's this fear because God is some big boss out there. I mean, you've ever had a boss like that? I had a boss like that once where you were just always afraid and always anxious and you could never really actually tell the truth. You always had to fake it and tell them it was better than it was in case you got in trouble and, and, uh, and that's, there's Christians who live like that. And yet, if you've ever had a boss who is just like family, you can just tell them, oh, I messed up today and, you know, drop the eggs and, you know, whatever and they're just like, you know, that sucks but, you know, We'll buy some new ones. And, I mean, the son and daughter views God as a present, loving father. Present as he, he's just always holding you. Whether you're performing or not, whether you had a good week or not, he is holding you as a dearly loved child. Sons and daughters understand that. When it comes to freedom, uh, servants and slaves want to make sons and daughters slaves. Sons and daughters live in the freedom God has given them. Uh, People who often live with kind of a slave or servant mentality, they're always trying to bring others down to their level. Uh, They're always spending a lot of time judging, a lot of time condemning, a lot of time having issues with everybody else and every church and everything out there because they're always trying to bring everybody down to their level because they're the level of a servant and a slave, so everybody else better be miserable like me, you know. (laughs) Better walk around like you're... Sucking on sour lemons, because that's what the Christian life is about. It's hard, and it's difficult, and it's, it's miserable, and you just got to be a slave, you know. So I'm going to make everybody else miserable around me. Uh, sons and daughters live in, in the freedom that God has given them. And we see uh, in the Bible, there are times when Paul points out people who want to, you know, bring people down to their level. Galatians 5.1 says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by the low yoke of slavery. I mean, you know, often we can start life here and then we, we, we open ourselves up to this idea of being a son or daughter. And we, we sit here and, and we're enjoying this intimacy, but there's always this call back to this negative religious life. Back to living for rules rather than relationship, and back to where you're trying to be better than others rather than just loving other people. And, and and Paul says, don't let yourself get pulled out of freedom back into slavery. Don't let yourself get pulled from here back where you start thinking you're better than other people. And sometimes even when we sit here, we're like, you know, I got it. I'm a son and daughter. Like, why can't these people get it? I mean, horrible people over here. You're you're, like, you're you're going back to like judging people instead of loving people. And I mean, it's a dangerous thing. Galatians 2:4. Paul says, some false believers have infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves. Again, if you're a slave or servant, you're always wanting other people to become slaves and servants like you rather than than free. And Paul says, if if you understand this, that, that all of life flows out of intimacy with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, don't let yourself be pulled from this. Don't let the your own ego of trying to make a name for yourself. Don't let that pull yourself from this table. Don't let this idea of thinking you're better than others, you know, pull you from this table to stay in the intimate connection with the Father. Jack Frost, uh, he said this, and he's talking about people who are kind of servant, slave, or he, he calls it the the orphan spirit. He says you feel as if you do not belong. Love, value, honor, and acceptance are foreign concepts to you. You believe you have to act right, dress right, talk right, and do right in order to be loved and accepted. And even then, it still doesn't happen. You feel as if there is something more you have to do or put in order to find rest and feel valued. With the spirit of sonship, however, you feel loved, valued, honored, and accepted for who you are as God's creation. You have no more need to prove yourself anymore. As a son or daughter, you feel a sense of total love and acceptance. The whole theme of this John 15 is really just, is this. As, uh, I think it's Heidi Baker who says this, that all fruitfulness comes from Intimacy. That all fruit, all of life is to come from this place. And there's so much in this world that will keep you from, from sitting down and just spending intentional time with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, or just allowing this to soak into your mind. But this is where Jesus is calling us. That all of life would flow from here. That all of the things that we do for it wouldn't be from striving, but it would be waiting for the Father to say, hey, let's do this together. And then we get up and we do it with the Father. Again, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Let's just end by saying this together. I am deeply loved, fully forgiven, and totally accepted in Christ. God alone is the final authority on my self-worth and identity. Father, we just in this moment just open up our hearts again to you. And Father, we thank you as a loving Father that you speak to us. And we thank you, Father, that we we can hear your voice. And so, Father, we just each ask, is is there any area in, in our life that we've been acting or living like a slave rather than a son or daughter? God, is there any area of our life, my life, that I've been acting like a slave more than a son or daughter? And Father, we just ask that this this word, this revelation that you've given us, and being sons and daughters, God, would really work our, its way past our mind, though it's got to touch there, but it got into our hearts mostly. I God, I thank you for the freedom you have given us. I thank you, God, that, that you love us more than we could ever, ever imagine. I thank you, God, that we are not distant children, but you are holding us in your arms, and, and it gives you great pleasure. And God, we just take a moment just to acknowledge that love a love that's not far, but it's just, it's in and through us and around us. And God, we just allow that love to wash away any anxiety. God, any striving that we've been, you know, striving towards this week, God, we just allow your presence and love to wash that away. I thank you for your invitation when you say, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and you say that you will give us rest. God, right now we just receive that rest into our being. So, Father, we thank you that you were good, and we thank you, God, that you are with us. And God, I thank you that you have our hearts in Jesus' name.